Hello, welcome to the Adventist Healthcare New Podcast. I'm Shanna, joined with Nimit. Hi, Shanna. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Well, we are welcoming back Dr. Judith Gurdian today. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for inviting me. And Nimit, I'm sorry. We have another topic that's just all about women. So <laughs> just hang on. Maybe you'll learn a little something. Well, I'll, I'm sure I'll learn something. I've been learning a lot over the past few months. Um, I don't know if our listeners know, but my wife and I are pregnant and are expecting to have a baby. She's about six months pregnant. Um, and I'm learning a lot about Pregnant women. And uh, women's health in general. Women's <laughs> health in general. So that's been uh, exciting. And I think, you know, learning more could be beneficial. That's true. All right. Well, uh, your wife's not quite there yet, but today's topic is menopause. Yes. So something every woman goes through. So let's take a moment just to introduce Dr. Gurdian. She is board certified in obstetrics and gynecology. And she's on staff at the Adventist Healthcare Shady Grove Medical Center. She served in a number of positions at Shady Grove. She's a past president of the medical staff and is a past chief of the OBGYN department. And she's on the board of directors of the Capital Women's Care. And also currently she is the director of education for the OB department at Shady Grove and also is helping train some of the Howard University Hospital residents. So we are glad to have you back and um, talk all about menopause. So let's just dig right into it. What is menopause? So the medical definition of menopause means that a woman has gone a full year with no period. One cycle, you start counting all over again, but definition-wise, you're menopausal when you've gone a full year without a period. So we kind of loosely break it up into premenopausal, which is sometimes a decade before where women start to go, I'm getting these little hot flashes and a little bit of dryness, and my eyes are starting to go a little bit. And then you get that year where things stop. And then menopause normally lasts for a lot of women a decade or a little bit longer where you still have some of these symptoms, these irritating symptoms. And then once, if and when they all go away, then you're technically postmenopausal and you're postmenopausal till you die. So menopause is just the term that describes the time period when women start to not have their period and then... So it's, it's basically a year with no cycle. And what happens is um, I'll describe this to my patients as kind of an intricate dance that goes on in our bodies with our hormones and our brain and our uterus and our ovaries. And for several decades, that dance goes on like a beautiful Virginia reel where everything goes right in sync. And then all of a sudden, people start missing their partners. And then things are kind of haywire for a while. And that's kind of what's going on in that perimenopausal, menopausal era is the, the signals from the brain are going to the ovary, but the ovary's going, what do you want me to do? And <laughs> And, and then the whole thing kind of just stops working the way it did. Okay. Well, when you said it could last for up to a decade, boy, that like gives me something to look forward to. <laughs> so um, when does it typically start and what are some of the early signs that people should, you know, watch out for? So so there's a big span. I would say the average age in the United States is probably 50 to 53. Um, it can be as early as in the 40s. We say that anybody who is under 40 who goes through menopause has a premature menopause. Um, but I've seen people go well into their mid to late 50s still cranking long. And so everybody's a little bit different. What are some of the early signs or the signs that you could be entering this this new phase of 
of uh, womanhood of life. <laughs> so, so for a lot of women, by the time they hit their 40s, they start getting what I euphemistically call mini hot flashes, where you wake up at night and you go, is it hot in here or is it me? And you take off the covers and then five minutes later you're freezing. It's not really hot flashes, but men notice it because the covers start going off and on all night long. Mm. And a little bit of vaginal dryness starts to kick in, cycles sometimes get closer together, farther apart. Again, just that sense that that dance just isn't quite working the way that it used to. And then all of a sudden relief, the cycles stop. Um, a lot of times the hot flashes get worse and other things happen, but, but that's where you start counting. It's when the cycles stop. And being one, you know, part of, um, part of our biological cycle for women, you know, for their lifetime, how can they manage it? You know, what are some of the um, medical remedies or, you know, home remedies they could do? Well, it goes everywhere from just tough it out, which some <laughs> people do, to going on full-fledged hormone replacement therapy. And um, I would say that probably a lot of my patients will use just a little bit of vaginal estrogen cream because the thing that irritates them the most is the dryness and the impact on their love life. Mm. And so some of them go, yeah, I can deal with not sleeping, but I got to have my sex life. <laughs> and, and their husband's going, yeah, I got to have my sex life. So, <laughs> so, so that becomes the answer to that. Um, you know, if somebody is really plagued with hot flashes, you can use sometimes antidepressants. Uh, there's a new medication out there that's a variation of, a, of an antidepressant that seems to be pretty effective in stopping hot flashes. And the sleep issue starts to become, you know, again, is this an age issue because men do the same thing or is it a menopausal thing where you realize you're getting up at night to go? And so that's another another one of the joys of of this time of life. Interesting. <laughs> well, I, you know, you, you say joy, so it's all how you look at it, right? Well, there are some joys. You know, if you look at, I, I always look at life in a linear fashion, or I, I'll tell my patients that I use the decade theory of life, that you've got zero to 10, where hormonally, you're pretty darn quiet. And then you get 10 to 20, where all this stuff, stuff starts to happen and your body's changing and you're you're half crazy half the time and you are recognizing boys or girls or whatever. And then you get 20 to 30, 35, where you're sort of settled into your marriage and childbearing years. And then you hit the 40s and things start to wobble again a little bit. And then you hit your 50s and then you hit, you know, middle old age, old old age, and all these things, it's all a continuum. So there's mm -hmm. not, it's not like you walk through a door and suddenly you're a different person. I like that. I like, I like that. Yeah, I do too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we could do a whole different podcast on just like learning each cycle. Yeah. Well, you, you say, you know, it, it's not like you walk through a door and you're a different person. And, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties at this point. So I've, I know that I'm going to be entering that entering that door or entering that phase at some point. And I've seen the, you know, the TV shows that make light of it and you laugh about it, but does everybody get hot flashes? Every, you know, the mood swings, it's almost like it's depicted on TV as this, I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily call it a terrible thing, but like they turn into different people. Well, so I think the hot flashes are probably more common than not. How bad they are varies a lot from person to person. Um, you know, sometimes it's, I dress in layers and layers go off and the layers go on uh, to people that have real serious sleep issues with it. But it's pretty common to see some of that. The vaginal dryness is almost universal. And that mm. is probably actually the thing that distresses my patients the most. 
um, you know, they can, they can deal with the other thing and laugh it off. But Nobody she, talks about that because that's a very personal thing. It is, yeah. but it's, it's a personal thing for a couple and yeah. it can be a personal thing that impacts their relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, one of the things that I always say to patients half jokingly is how's your love life? Because it, it can't be a taboo subject. But you know, the other interesting thing about this period is it also often overlaps the kids headed out to college. So frequently what you're seeing with it is newfound freedoms that were there, never there before and the chance to have more fun and be more inventive and to do things that maybe you couldn't do with three bedrooms full of children in the house. <laughs> and and so again, you know, there's always a, an advantage to looking at the positive aspects of it. I wonder if there's any correlation between empty nesters and the time during, you know, menopausal time period, you know. They tend to overlap really they commonly. Do, yeah. You know, again, if you have your children in your 20s or your early 30s, they're off to college when you're in your 40s. And yeah. then you have to restructure who you and your spouse are and what your relationship looks like. Um, you said earlier that, you know, there's, you know, some women just suck it up and pull it through throughout the entire menopause. But what are some of the serious concerns if they're, you know, if they have some symptoms or signs, they should be seriously concerned about it? So risk of breast cancer tends to linearly progress as we go through our life. And postmenopausally, it continues to go up. So staying on top of breast exams, mammograms is really important. Ovarian cancer risk starts to go up in women in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. So again, we start to think more of that and less of things like cervical cancer. Postmenopausal bleeding is a big, no pun intended, red flag. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's one of the things, it's a key sign for uterine cancer, which is one of the things that we worry a lot about. And then the other thing, just general medical issues that tend to come along at this point of time is that when we go through menopause, oftentimes our, our cholesterol isn't as good as it was because the estrogen was protective of it. And so often when women go through menopause, that's where I start to see their cholesterols come problematic. You know, again, it, we say aging versus menopause, diabetes, hypertension, all those things that are happening to you guys too yeah. are also happening to women. So it's really important that you have somebody that knows you well and can kind of look at all those things. Yeah. And and would you recommend like, you know, diet and exercise or monitoring, you know, labs or, you know, having that conversation with the provider even? So from my perspective, when I see people, it's, is your primary doing your labs? Because if they're not, I'm going to. Yeah. Um, what are you doing with your diet? What does your exercise pattern look like? I hate to fuss at people about weight right now because with COVID, everybody has yeah. has had a, <laughs> Stress has, made has, it. Has, has developed a new weight level. Yeah. But now that we're two and a half years out, I'm starting to say, let's let's look at what's going on here and what we can do to, to rein this in a little bit. Yeah. So again, I think that's all part of good general health care that hopefully you're Hearing from all your doctors. Yeah, well, that was something I think we talked about the last time you were on, which is just the importance of having a primary care and having an OBGYN that you're comfortable with and that is in that you're checking in with and that you're scheduling those annual physicals and those Absolutely. annual check-ins. So we'll just re-emphasize that again this podcast. I, I think the other thing that's interesting, and I don't know whether this is menopause or COVID or aging or what it is, but we're all seeing an increased incidence in depression in our patients. Yeah. And uh, nationwide, they're saying that over 50% of us meet the criteria for clinical depression. Is that just men and women? Or Period, just, everybody, gotcha. teenagers, children, adults, old people, all of us. I mean, it's a, it's a COVID data. And it can certainly be aggravated by going through the process of menopause or your children going to college or your parents getting older and having health issues. Again, all those things start to happen in the same basket of time. But that mental health screening is critical. 
Okay. Yeah, and I think COVID was probably a catalyst to this, and it was already going towards that direction where you know mental health、um, was you know not ignored, but also not focused on heavily, and and many different aging population, even for adolescents or teenagers too,、yeah. you know, and all the way till you know people at the older age. I think for a lot of us, it's one of the major outcomes of this whole COVID crisis is our mental health yeah. issues. Yeah. Well, just the prolonged stress of it. No、yeah. matter you know how you were affected by it, and everybody was, but just degrees. But you know, just the prolonged stress and anxiety, along with everything else that's going on in the world too, just creates this you know difficulty for people to yeah. So you it, know, manage. It is, it is a little bit of unraveling strings、yes. when you look at something and going, well, is this age related, menopause related, COVID related, or what? It doesn't matter. It's there. Somebody's talking to me about it. My job is to help them figure out how to get through it. So, what do you tell your patients now who fear, you know, when they're beginning menopause or who are anticipating menopause coming up? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, you know, you can spend a lot of time worrying about something. So, usually, what I'll do is there's a wonderful book that was created by the North American Menopause Association called Women's Guide to Menopause, and it's a little it's 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 a little paperback book that has really good basic information. But usually, what I just say to them is, let's see how this road goes, and we'll we'll walk along and we'll deal with whatever we need to. I really stress the need to stay on top of a good diet, good exercise patterns, self care, yeah, and doing things for yourself and your relationships. That's good. Absolutely. Good, yeah, good advice. Before we end, let's talk about some myths. Because、sure. um, there, there's always myths when it comes to health and、yes. what's kind of out there. So, what are some common myths about menopause that we can talk to our listeners about and dispel?、Um, that it's horrible. Okay, that's the first one because again, it's not for everybody. In fact, for most people, it's just one of those times of life that happens. You're old. You're not going to have a sex life. None of those things are true, and as I said, for a lot of people, it it really is a time of increased freedom,、mm-hmm. where they really have the chance to kind of re-explore who they are again. Since yeah, if they're if their kids are out of the house or they're in this new relationship with their their spouse or or dating somebody or going back yeah, to school、yep. or developing a new career. I mean, there's just、uh, a lot of really good things can come at this time of life, and and that's always really helpful is to think about what's good. At the stage. Okay. Any other myths? Oh, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> what about、uh, what about the? You said earlier, you know, some women just tough it out instead of. You know, just ignoring symptoms or not talking about yeah, it. Yeah. So some of that is cultural.、Um, in our underserved communities, there, I think, for a lot of women, there's a sense that it doesn't matter, that nobody's listening to them. So it's really important when we deal, especially with some of our patients of color or people that come from different cultural backgrounds, that we remember to talk to them about what's going on. You know, I think that that's that's really really important and.、Uh, I've lost my train of thought. Nope, that's, <laughs> that's one of the other things that happens with menopause, right? <laughs>、um, one other thing you mentioned hormone therapy earlier,、yes. um, and I've I've read and seen, you know, oh that's bad. So that is oh I could talk about this one for hours <laughs> because it's a pet peeve. In 2000, there was a thing called the Women's Health Initiative that was published, and it there was a big to do on 60 Minutes. And within two days, everybody who was on hormone replacement therapy was calling the office, afraid that these pills were going to kill them. We had about four or five years where nobody was on hormones, as opposed to everybody being on hormones. 
And now there's kind of a trickle back. Looking at it now, what we actually realize is that it was the combination of estrogen and progesterone and not the progesterone that was the trigger for a small number of breast cancers. Nobody noticed the decrease in colorectal cancer, which came with it, or the quality of life, or that it's still a wonderful protection against osteoporosis. So, you know, now that we're two decades past Women's Health Initiative, I think we're starting to have much more open-minded discussions about the benefits and the values and the appropriate places to use it. Yeah, and I think it all comes down to, you know, the risks versus the benefits and everybody is unique and you you work with your physician to, and every, to find the best thing for you. And every medication out there has risks. Yes. And I mean, the things that we eat, red meat, alcohol, sugar, I mean, all those things have risks. So we, we make those choices in our lives as, as terms of which risks we're willing to take and which risks have benefits. So, um, you know, again, that's part of the really important discussion that we need to have with people about how we're going to go through this. Well, I think we learned a lot today. Thank you so much Thank as always so much, for coming. Yeah. We always learn so much when you come on. Um, and will you come back again and talk about something else? I, I Another topic. To, I would love to come back. And my message to everybody is don't fear menopause. Okay. I, I will take that and, and hold it close to my heart <laughs> and not and not fear it and look at it with an open mind. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Dr. Gurdian. Thank you. All right, Nimit, would you want to close this out today? Thank you to all our listeners. And if you'd like to learn more about AHC, please visit AdventistHealthCare.com. And to find out more about Dr. Gurdian, click on doctors at AHC.com or look up Dr. Gurdian in Capitals Women Care. And to our listeners, don't forget to subscribe at Apple or Spotify. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Nimit. Thanks, Dr. Gurdian again. And we'll talk to everybody soon. 